All right, Wimty Podcast, episode 39. We're doing it, Shane. We're getting there. We're getting close to that 50 number. Yeah. Well, we got to hit that big 4-0 first, baby. We got to do something big. Yeah. That's, yeah. A big, that's a big one. What, 40 or 50? Yeah, 40. I mean, 50, yeah. 50 50's a good the, round number. 50 is the big one. Yeah. But 40 is pretty good, too. Yeah, or we hit triple digits. We're still doing this to get to 100. You know, we just hit a year, I think, yeah. last week. Yeah. So we should be at 50 already. Yeah. But, you know, we get busy life dude doing things uh man i've had an interesting week i well first of all i decided to go i got i got my new trail bike so i took it out to uwf and i didn't realize that these are basic these are pro level courses and i'm still very much a novice and i went out with my with caleb caleb was on he's been a guest on here before went out caleb well caleb's like 24 years old and is a lifeguard and is in (laughs) tip-top shape I'm 35 years old, chubby, and, uh, you know, but you know what? I can go run three miles, no problem. I can go bike 15 miles, no problem. Well, doing a six-mile trail is different, and, like, there were several drops that were a couple feet, and so, man, I ate shit. I went over the handlebars once. Aren't those the trails you've been riding, that bike that isn't meant for trails? No, I've been riding in Fort Walton. Oh, okay. I rode the bike in Fort Walton. It handles beautifully. But anyway, so I almost, I should have been hurt way worse than I was, but I, I flew over my handlebars. By the end of it, like, I thought I was going to pass out. Like, I was just done because we, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon, too, when we went. It was hot as balls. Uh, so ate shit, and then I, I was just drenched in sweat, so I didn't want to drive all the way back to Destin. So I, was, I went and saw my brother, got lunch with him, utilized the shower. I got out of the shower, I had two ticks on me. What? Yeah, I had to remove both the ticks. Luckily, they hadn't really gotten yeah. any blood out of me yet or anything like that. But I had to get tweezers, and they were both in the same spot on my leg. Shit. And I was like, yeah, what a shitty day. Oh, that's day. what the fuck that is? Well, no, that's from a pedal. That's from when I ate shit and threw over the handlebars. <laughs> no, ticks don't leave marks like that. But anyway, uh, so that happens. But the, the reason I was going out to Pensacola was not only to ride trails. It was also because I am officially a patient for medicinal marijuana. What? Yes. How the fuck did you do that? Yes, because I qualify. Um, I and, and it's funny too because you know me. I don't. I don't use. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't use anymore. Uh, very very rarely. But also, I, I've been on a uh, off and on. I take a super low dose anxiety medication mm-hmm. mainly for when I'm flying. Yeah. And I was t- I was talking with my primary care and I said, hey, rather than that, what what would you think about medicinal marijuana? And he said, this is who you need to talk to whatever so i go and you have to pay it costs a little bit of money to get started it's a 300 dollars fee to be seen you got to pay the state 75 dollars. and i go in there and it was actually a, a, a reserve the guy was in the military the air force reserves and he was a physician's assistant and he starts talking to me he's like okay so you're in here for anxiety you know i was like yeah i want to get off my pills they didn't they didn't look at my medical records i told him i was on medication he didn't even he didn't yeah. he didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. look that up and he was just like okay and he asked me a couple of questions, like on a scale of one to ten, how bad is this? I was like, I don't know, dude. Like, a three to me might be a six to someone else. Might be. I said, what do I need to tell you? It is. I said, how does seven sound? He's like, seven sounds about good. I was like, all right, man. So, so he pulls out. He's like, okay, here's my recommendation. He said, we don't prescribe. He said, we just give recommendations. He said, so I'm gonna recommend you oral, uh, vape, and topical. And then he's like, these are these are also ratios. The first number represents CBD. The second number represents THC. 
because um, my brother he was my brother was doing some research for me, and mm-hmm. he said uh, that, and from what I saw too on the website, that your typical it, it's only for like 0.8 percent THC, mm-hmm. not even a full percent THC. So it's just heavy CBD stuff. And so I didn't know if that was true or not. And he, and so he said, okay, so you're uh, you're able to get 15 to one CBD, 15 CBD, one THC. He said. You're also able to get five to one, five CBD to one THC. He's like, what I'd recommend for you is the one to one, you know, one one CBD, mm-hmm. one THC. He's like, you know, because you'll be able to get through your day. It's not going to ruin your day on it. He said, now I'm also going to give you one to five and one to nine THC, <laughs> one CBD, yeah, yeah, nine yeah, yeah, THC. Yeah. He's like, but that's gonna be for your like end of day type stuff, <laughs> and, and all that. He's like, it's not you, you. It's it's don't operate a vehicle. Yeah, whatever. And I said, okay, well, how much am I allowed to get? You know, he's like, every seventy days, I'll give you a refill for seven thousand milligrams, so a hundred milligrams a day. He said, if well, a dose is five milligrams. Mm-hmm. He said, if you're using more than 100 milligrams a day, we might need to seek other treatment for you <laughs> anyway, because that must be some debilitating shit. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm, a, I'm officially a patient. I'm awaiting on my temporary card. And as soon as I get my temporary card, I can go directly to the dispensary. Where is the dispensary? I can, they're, they're all over the place, man. And I got also I get a veteran's discount. But they're not, in, they're not in town, right? There's one in Fort Walton. There's one on Racetrack in Fort Walton. What? They'll deliver it to you as well. You don't even have to fucking go. What? And so I can go in there, man. I can get. I, they have flour cartridges. They have oil. You know, they don't have. I don't. I don't believe they have just straight up flour. Yeah. But they have like the cartridges that and are ground oil, up, yeah. uh, oils. Uh, you know, whatever desolates, whatever. I don't. I don't know a ton yet. But I said, I asked him. I said, when I go to the dispensary, they'll also share all this information with me as well. And he's like, oh yeah, they'll get you exactly what you need. Because I am interested. And I know. Th- People are probably that's just what people say, but like if I wanted to smoke weed, I can smoke weed. No, I, that's funny because I literally today just yeah. went to the Golden Almond in Portland mm-hmm. and bought a vial of CBD. Yeah, because I'm like I'm, to... I'm interested in medicinal benefits. Yeah, because I'm actually uh, uh, my girlfriend and, and myself did for different reasons. Yeah, uh, she has anxiety and I've got mild insomnia basically. Yeah, and uh, I'm you know yeah go get your go out. get your card. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't know that was a fucking thing. Yeah, I didn't know that was easy. a thing now. Super so, four, easy. so what? Four hundred bucks. They say you're supposed to transfer. Yeah, and then okay, so you do that. I got a ten percent discount because I'm a veteran, and then fucking every lasagna. every every two hundred and ten days you need to see your doctor again. But your follow ups are only ninety nine bucks. So after your first initial one, you know, so twice a year you'll pay ninety nine bucks. So but ten percent off that for me. So ninety bucks twice a year that's one eighty, and then you have to pay the state seventy five dollars to be a card holder every year. So for under a dollar a day, you can be a medicinal patient. And you don't have to worry about going to jail for a nonviolent drug offense. Shit. You can just ride with your your shit, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm officially a patient now. I'll let you know how it goes when I go to the dispensary, what I get. Um, But I'm I'm, I'm excited to see how it benefits my life. Yeah. We'll see. Me too. We'll see, because I don't want to get like I said. It's I'm not I'm not the type. I don't get stupid stoned like I used to. You know, it's yeah. just not a thing I do. It's, it fucks well, that's, with me. And that's my that's why I actually, I actually I want to yeah. try this whole CBD thing. Yeah. I'm not trying to just come home, get fucked up, mm-hmm. and and whatever, laugh. Or, I don't know. Uh, get I'm, the giggles. Get, get get the giggles. Eat too much <laughs> bullshit and yeah. still not sleep. <laughs> you know, I want. I'm so I'm trying to figure this out, man. So yeah, I want to know. Yeah, I'll let, uh, I should I should have my temporary card within a week, uh, so I'll let you know when I go to the dispensary for the first time how it all goes. 
So pretty excited about that. Anything anything exciting for you? No, that nothing tops that. Yeah, <laughs> nothing tops getting your medical marijuana card. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. So but, uh, oh oh, I just finished my month of sobriety as well. <laughs> so that was fun. So I need my next thirty days. You know, I did thirty days vegan, thirty days no booze. Well, I didn't make it quite thirty days, but really close. Um, yeah. What's next? Uh, like I said, I think I either want to. In the month, ride 300 miles on my bike for the month, which is 10 miles a day, or run 100 miles in the month, which is three miles a day. So 10 miles a day on the bike and three miles a day running. Mm. So I'm trying to do these challenges every 30 days just to, to, to have, basically for health benefits, for something good for my health. I don't know. Well, well you just bought that damn bike. Go bike. All, all the time, man. I love it. It's like my favorite thing to do, man. Just be careful. Do ticks still get... Can you still get Lyme disease? I, I think that's a thing, man. Yeah. So yeah. you got to get checked for that then, huh? You had two of the motherfuckers on No, there. I got them off really quickly, and there that was no parts of them left in there. That doesn't mean shit. Isn't you it, don't think isn't, so? Isn't it like a mosquito? Like, they I just don't bite know. you, and boom, you know. get fucking you're, malaria? You're the fucking Google guy, dude. Look it up. I don't, I don't have time for that. Yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's, so anyway, uh, get, getting into this, <laughs> we, 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 love, we love to hear from, from people, you know? Um, and a uh, uh, guest, I believe it was guest number six or seven, Mr. Oh, yes. Mike Van Ness of a band called The Good Lookings, sent us a song. And he's basically recreated a theme song for the Wim T podcast that from, for, from now on we're actually going to use as our outro. Uh, because it's a little too long to be our intro every time, but it'll be our outro from now on. And uh, we're also going to use it for our intro today. Uh, so I hope you dig it. Uh, unless, of course, one of you think you can make a, make our song better and send us another song. We'd love to hear it. Um, so, you know, I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, give some shouts to uh, to some of our listeners uh, real quick. I can pull it up. Uh, we're still getting listens from Russia. Did you see that? Yeah. We're uh, still getting Russian listeners. Let's see. Where's I got it. You ready? I got it. You got our list? No, 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 no. Oh, I've got the... I've got the Oh, What's we're it? just it's gonna. Called, it's called Twice <clears throat> Guy. Well, yeah, we're just gonna put the we're just gonna put the file in here so it sounds oh, directly you. into it. Uh, so my guest, our guest today is Parker Destin, great guest, super involved in the community, city council member, bridge authority member, TDC. You know, multiple restaurants, brand new bar, super neat guy. Super glad that he's doing good work for the city, and I uh, hope you all enjoy listening to Parker and also enjoy the new Wim T theme song.
All right, Wimpty Podcast, episode 39. Guest today is Parker Destin. What's up, man? Uh, living the dream. We're burning the midnight oil. Yeah, yeah. A little bit late tonight, man, but, you know, we all have we all have real jobs. So. Yeah, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, you've got like seven jobs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these days, I wish half of them paid me, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, let's get into it, man. Let's, let's okay. get right into it. I know there's a lot of things we want to talk about. Um, first of all... I mean, where do you want to start? You want to you want to give a brief history of kind of, yeah, you, know, you know. Uh, I mean, these days, man, I've been bit so busy. I mean, most of the interesting stuff sort of probably is in my political life. Um, I'm on the uh, Destin City Council. I'm at the, I guess the back third of of a four year term. So uh, then I'm on the Bridge Authority and on the TDC and the myriad of other volunteer sort of nonprofit boards around town, but been living here my whole life and, uh, you know, decided to come back here after school. Try, you know, I've been practicing law for five or six years. I've transitioned out of that back in the restaurant business again and um, just trying to make this community a better place because, you know, I intend to be here. Yeah. So, yeah. Right on, man. So, uh, for for those just just not assuming the the restaurant, of, of course, yeah, you're probably talking about. Sure. This. So we've got Dewey Destin Seafood Restaurants. There's uh, two locations in Destin, and we're opening up a third in Navarre. Uh, that's been eating up the majority of my time right now, but I still make time for all the stuff on all the boards, and the political stuff, and then, you know. Yeah. At 10.30 at night when you get done, you can come do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Definitely appreciative of your time, dude. I know I know how crazy busy you are. Uh, so so the, so the Navarre location is opening, and then you're also uh, probably, I guess, part owner of a, a new bar in town as well, correct? Yeah. So the new bar we're opening is over at uh, 200 Harbor Boulevard. It's mm. next to um, Harborside Dewey's. Okay. And basically what it is, is it's called Porch Bar, but... Um, my wife is sort of the creative, uh, director, mad genius on all the cocktails. Um, it's basically the only craft cocktail bar that's on the Harbor boardwalk. You know, um, we've got craft beers, we've got really, really good cocktails and then uh, a whole bunch of interesting, uh, appetizers and sort of tapas style, um, nice. food that, you know, the Dewey's menu is sort of static over at, at Harborside. So it doesn't give a real big creative outlet probably, um, to our, our 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 chef, so Chef Jim's to going nuts and doing some really cool stuff over mm-hmm. there. So, and it's beautiful. I mean, you're up and you're up above on a on a patio deck, um, above the fray. You get to watch everybody, and it's kind of hidden back behind a bunch of live oaks. We've kept the old building, uh, the bars, over on uh, on the backside of of the actual home itself, and uh, it's just something funky, eclectic, and something we don't have. Yeah, yeah. I've not I've not been yet, man. It's so. pretty rad. Yeah, you've mentioned it several times. I just finished a, a month long no no drinking thing, so uh, so I'm ready to get back in the game. So I'm gonna have to go check it out. <laughs> Say I'm ready to get back into the game. I got back into the game a little bit last night, and I've been paying for it all day. Yeah. Uh, so but so but um, how late how late are they open? Can we go after this? No, no, <laughs> no. They're kind of they're kind of mirroring the other end. You know, Destin rolls up its uh, sidewalks on uh, weeknights by 10 p.m., so we're, we're out of there by 10 p.m. most yeah. nights, and then probably around 11 or so uh, on the weekends. But, okay. 
it's a good spot if you're going to want to hit up the harbor for the for the full night. It's a good place to, to be the first stop. Yeah, for sure. Let's go check it out. Yeah. We got to. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a pregame spot. I've been like eight times, but I've only drank there once. Really? <laughs> yeah, Why? They're closed. Oh. They close at like 10 o'clock. I get out at like 11. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, that's I true. I miss it. Yeah, it wasn't out of self-restraint. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, so then, okay, you're also part of the Bridge Authority. We talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, so the there. Bridge Authority is is uh, is one of the more interesting and frustrating sort of uh, positions I find myself in publicly recently. I got appointed to the Bridge Authority about two years ago, right after they went up on the bridge tolls, and we're talking about the Mid-Bay Bridge, and uh, man, people are upset, and rightfully so, uh, about about tolls. Mm-hmm. I think I get more calls and more concern over the bridge than I do with the City of Destin stuff, which the City of Destin stuff is contentious, and there's a lot of it, but you know, I think the bridge affects people's daily lives more. Uh, than perhaps some of the more 30,000-foot stuff that happens at the city. So, you know, we've been working really hard recently to uh, to build up basically a buffer financially to yeah. where we can start rolling back the, the tolls and, and giving the commuters, which are the, the folks that we really care about, a break. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not, I mean, it's, at, at, at some people have called and said, you know, I'm paying eight bucks round trip to go work. I'm spending the first hour of my job and destined to pay my bridge toll. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what gives? So, you know, there's a lot of things that they can do. Um, we implemented a program now where if you get the sun pass, it goes from four pa- it goes from four bucks to three bucks. If uh, you use the sun pass uh, 32 times in a month, like a, like a real commuter would, um, it drops it down to two bucks, yeah. which it's all retroactive. It goes back into your sun pass account and it's a real good opportunity for, uh, for folks who are really impacted as mm-hmm. commuters to, to basically get the same rate they would have paid in 1991, which, you know, yeah, I think it was two bucks when I first like started driving yeah. mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the way to get the relief for, for all the commuters and the locals. Where does all that money go to? So the money that is uh, collected is actually toll revenue that is used to maintain the bridge and the expressway itself, and then it also goes to pay off the bond debt that was uh, issued to actually build the infrastructure itself. So most people don't understand that like the bridge and the expressway were not built with uh, general revenue money, so it, it wasn't the Florida DOT um pulled money out of the general revenue fund because we all pay taxes and they pulled it out of Tallahassee. Uh, actually, back in the day, um, Tallahassee said, we're not going to build you a bridge. Mm-hmm. And they said, and then all the locals said, well, listen, how are we going to build this bridge? Well, let's form a bridge authority and, and we can get Goldman Sachs to issue some bond debt mm-hmm. and they'll, uh, they'll give us $200 million and we'll pledge the tolls as collateral on that bond. And, uh, that's where that money really goes is to pay down bond debt and to uh, maintain the bridge. Uh, how mu- is that how much the bridge cost? Was it 200 mil? Or approximately when it was built. Uh, about nine years before I got, so about 11 years ago, perhaps a little bit more, uh, they reissued a whole new set of bond debt to build the expressway. Mm-hmm. And that's really where they got into trouble. Uh, before I got there, the bridge authority... Um, I think probably overshot their projections on what they thought the expressway was going to uh, 
what was what was it was going to generate, and in doing so, they didn't meet uh, the collection amounts for the expressway to pay for the bond debt. So they basically turned around and went up on the bridge because the bridge was still getting used a lot by local commuters. Went up on those tolls to basically buttress the losses that they were with well, the lack of revenue uh, that they were experiencing on the expressway. The good thing is over the last about four to five years, the expressway has started to meet and exceed all of its traffic projections. Yeah. So it's a, it's a self perpetuating pay, it's paying, paying down itself. So that's a good thing. Um, it's just taking time. Yeah. Uh, uh, how much, I don't know if you're allowed to even tell me that, but how much does that, does, how much does that bridge make in, in uh, July? July, yeah. Now, so you you're asking me. I know that probably July, of course, is the peak month. Yeah, and then it shoulders from there. But I know probably that bridge probably collects around thirty five million dollars a year. Ooh. But I mean, you know, there's yeah. there's there's millions and millions of dollars with just maintenance. Mm-hmm. So if we can pay down the bond debt and we don't we don't get ourselves in trouble, there's there's never a point where that bridge will be free. Now it could be very yeah. low, because that bridge will never have zero maintenance costs. Because I mean, we're we're spending four or five million bucks every year just to keep the bridge safe and usable. Yeah, and so that expense never goes away. Um, but if you could pay off the bond debt, conceivably you could drop the tolls down to you know quarters. How yeah. far away are are we from that? Unfortunately, pretty good pretty good ways with them issuing that new bond debt on the expressway. You know, we're looking twenty years or so. Mm. Yeah. So whose responsibility is that bridge then? So the responsibility of the bridge... Who's the owner? So the owner of the bridge is actually... Uh, it's it's a special taxing district that was created by the legislature. And it has five members who are appointed by the governor. And that special district is actually a dependent subsidiary of Okaloosa County. So... Every year, the budget that is set for that bridge is approved or denied by the county commissioners. But at the end of the day, it belongs to the state of Florida, but the state of Florida is not footing the bill for any of it. It's mm-hmm. It was all built with basically money from you know, Goldman Sachs, yeah. and, and it's the revenues that are pulled from that infrastructure that go to pay off those notes. So that's where it stands. It's It's... You'd be surprised how many people have said, "Oh, you know, the bridge is the bridge is owned by a bunch of doctors from you know Tennessee, and that's why the tolls are never going to go down. They got to make their pro- oh, yeah. there's no profit. It's it's all you know rolled into the maintenance costs and paying down the bond debt. The, Where does that come from? Do people just people just say dumb shit? Oh, people just say that shit all the time. All, I mean, all growing up, I've always heard, "Oh, that that bridge has been paid for ten times over." Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> all that money's just going in Destin's pocket. Blah, 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 blah. Dude, people, <laughs> I mean, you've seen it online. They do it with <laughs> politics. They do it with everything. People yeah. just make stories up, and then it just gets perpetuated, and nobody does their homework. And so that's how really just untrue things get proliferated. You know, that and the telephone game. Yeah. Uh, man, I've never heard the story, and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners w- would like to would like to know as well. I mean, your last name is obviously Destin. Mm-hmm. I would One would assume that this this city is named after your family. It is. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. Um, my great, great, great-grandfather uh, was Leonard Destin. He settled this area um, unintentionally. I mean, he didn't come here and say, I, you know, throw a flag on the ground, and this is Destin. Now, he was a New London whaler um, 
who settled in this area because they were good fishing grounds. And he was sort of, you know, he set up the first fishing camp. A couple of families followed him. He was basically the first employer. Uh, I think out of uh, maybe respect or whatnot, they named it after they named this area, you know, after him. Uh, as the story goes, I think Billy Billy Marler uh, was the first postmaster. And when he was asked, you know, what is this place? You know, he he told the post office basically, you know, this is Destin, but. There were, there were some instances where on military maps before Billy, they had named this area Destin just from a township standpoint, what families were living here. But, you know, that's, that's how it kind of goes. All this that we call Destin now, you know, I have nothing to do with. Yeah. You know, my, my family's always been, you know, we were commercial fishermen until I was almost 19, and then we switched into the restaurant business. But what is Destin is when you close, you know, when people close their eyes and think of this place, you know, we didn't, we didn't really do any of that. Yeah. How, how is that for you though? I mean, I would, I would assume, do you feel a certain responsibility that comes with carrying that, that name? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I think that's probably one of the main motivators that gets me in to doing all these, you know, basically volunteer work, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, the city council's unpaid bridge authority unpaid. Um, I'm on a bunch of local boards. Um, they're unpaid, you know, I do it because, you know, it is my last name. I do feel a tremendous amount of, you know, kinship connection with this community. And, uh, you know, I want to see it, uh, you know, forever have a good, you know, image in, uh, in people's minds. I don't know if recently we've been doing the right things to get to that point and, you know, things are changing and I don't know if it's always for the better, but, you know, that's kind of one of the motivators why I'm in it, which is that, that very intimate connection. Mm. Now, are you going to, do you plan on being on the city council for a while? Or uh, what are your, uh, it seems to me with how involved you are with, you know, the Bridge Authority, the TDC, you're on the city council, that that maybe, I don't want to assume anything, but I, w- I would assume that maybe politics is maybe something that you're super interested in, that, that we might see some maybe growth from you in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know where it'll manifest. Um I enjoy local politics, very local politics, because typically um, it's nonpartisan. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. <laughs> I don't have to read off Republican talking points to get into a position that typically has nothing to do with those talking points. You know, I uh, I really enjoy not having that acrimony. I don't have to say and do really crazy things because at the local local level. Um, you know, building roads, talking about whether or not, um, you know, talking about our schools, talking about um, traffic infrastructure, talking about, you name all the things that Destin has issues with, they get to be bipartisan, you know. We don't have to have a big, giant philosophical debate about, you know, life, you know, liberals versus conservatives, Mm -hmm. right versus left. You know, I enjoy that part about it. That'll change if I go up the ladder. Yeah. And uh, the question is, I don't know if I'm really suited for it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because I I'm probably the worst Republican on earth. <laughs> did you did you know uh, did you notice that this last local election that we had that they were you would actually see people saying like the conservative choice, sure. and stuff like that. Sure, that's a new that's a new thing, right? Yeah, that's a new variant. This this last this last election cycle was unprecedented, and we're talking about the Destin municipal election was unprecedented on a bunch of different fronts. Um, you know, the spending was unprecedented. We we went from, ba- I mean, if you add up everything, you know, they spent a quarter, 
quarter million dollars. You know, yeah, and, and I think a, I think Chatham said like two years before that, like the biggest number they had seen was like thirty k, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, if you add up all the previous elections for mayor and for the city councils since we became a city in nineteen eighty four, it's more than all of them combined. Wow, and it was because of one basic key issue that was about to be voted on, mm-hmm. um, and it mattered who got elected on whether or not that key measure was going to pass or fail, and that measure was. Um, a change to the comp plan that was basically going to bring down the building heights all throughout, well, throughout big chunks and swaths of Destin. And then the other big part of it was it was going to lower the densities and how how many units you can cram in, in any sort of, you know, vertical building. And um, it was all about development. And so uh, the real estate community and the developers came unglued because, you know, they saw it as an attack on their pocketbook when the rest of the town has been screaming for 25 years, you know, let's match the infrastructure to what we want. Let's have responsible growth. So, um, in doing, in spending $250,000, you know, you can hire some, some really creative, interesting people that, uh, can try to contort and twist all sorts of, uh, you know, the fact that conservative versus liberal, that's never been a, even in mm-hmm. the sphere of conversation in Destin politics. But if you're going to run a smear campaign, that's those are topics that really respond well with people who are just going to get, you know, inundated with them either through, you know, I mean they were they were doing robocalls. I mean this is the I, got, I mean I got some yeah. I mean we never had we've never had robocalls. I told him I was voting for Jared Cramblett every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I think. <laughs> yeah. you, <laughs> you know, the write-in candidate. Yeah. yeah, they were like, they were like, so someone else. I said, no, Jared Cramlett. They would say, oh, so someone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they spent a tremendous amount of money and they wasted a lot of money. I mean, it's they didn't get the result they wanted, and we passed the uh, the restrictions that have been woefully uh, needed for a very, very long time, uh, and 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 perhaps in some ways just are you know way too late, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah. you know, that's that's just uh, that's a small part of what has been a larger battle of just trying to get the city of Destin representing the people who live here and taking a look at um, everything through the lens of what is good for the residents as a whole, what is uh, good from a quality of life standpoint, because if if Destin is a good place to live, it'll be a good place to visit. It should be in that vein of thinking. You know, for the last 25 years, we've we've had a seven-member council that always had a majority, which is anybody above four, um, four members that were always connected to the development community, either through, you know, family relations, employees, uh, a lot of realtors, you know. And a lot of realtors are my friend, but friends, but they, uh, they kind of see the universe through the lens of, uh, commissions only. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, it's resulted in, in building too much stuff in Destin without ever worrying about, you know, how we're going to move people around. Well, yeah, cause there's really only one way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We get the, uh, we get the, the enjoyment of trying to plan a city when you've got walls on three sides with the water, you know, Everywhere else in the country gets the pleasure of, of, I mean, suburban sprawl is not anything we get to indulge here because there's nowhere to go. You know, you hit the, you hit the three borders and it just spills in on itself. That's why we went vertical. Um, you know, 
go to Columbus, Ohio. That place, that metroplex nah. just keeps going, <laughs> going, and going. I'm a Michigan fan. I'm never <laughs> stay away. Stay away. Not to get too off subject, but do you think Urban's going to get fired? Man, what do you I think? I don't know. I think? You think he's gone? I think it would have already have happened. I don't know, man. They put him on leave pretty quickly. Hey, let me get one plausible of those, deniability. Uh, shitty beers. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say the name. I'm going to say this fucking name. <laughs> Three daughters out of what is this? Uh, St. Petersburg, Pete. Florida. Uh, I'm drinking this because I'm thirsty, but uh, I guess this I'm sucks. No desperate times. Yeah. Makes me want one. Try it out. I don't what? think I don't think the three daughters are going to be too bad that the <laughs> no, uh, not at all. whatever it means to you podcast wasn't a resounding endorsement of their IPA. <laughs> yeah, I doubt they'll hear about it. <laughs> Bullshit. So what do you think? Man? You think you think Urban's think he's done? You're a college football fan, obviously, right? You're an, aren't you an Auburn guy? Isn't that? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a uh, actually I'm an Auburn fan. I went to the University of Tampa for undergrad on a swimming scholarship. Otherwise, I was going to go to Auburn. Everybody in my family, parents, all the siblings, they went to Auburn, but. Uh, I went. I went to University of Tampa for undergrad, so I didn't actually attend Auburn. But I'm a big Auburn fan. Hmm. But yeah, with Urban, uh, we'll just have to see how it shakes out. Yeah. <laughs> How's that beer? I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I should have listened to you. It's not the best. Yeah. So you you and uh, you and Chatham are also. Uh, the the youngest on the council by yeah, uh, by yeah. a considerable amount, right? Not to call the, the other ones out, you know, <laughs> a bunch of old asses. But no, seriously, like, um, so how does that work? It's uh, an it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I mean, Chatham and Chatham's. I'm 33. Chatham's, I think, a year and a half, almost two years younger than me. You know, really, we, we represent. No, I think he's. I think Chatham's he's, only like 30. No, I think he's 31. What? No. Yeah, Fuck no. yeah, yeah. He's. Two I thought years. Chatham was older than I was. No. Yeah. What? Really? 100%. Get out of here. Yeah, I know. He's the same age as my sister. Let's turn the air down real quick. Yeah. I didn't know that. Where are you at, Chatham? <laughs> Copy up on Facebook. There's no way. I promise you, he's the same year as my sister. They graduated in 05 from uh, high school. Maybe Chatham failed a grade or two. <laughs> he was held back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, what? so how does that look then? You know, we were... I, it's it provides its challenges. Motherfucker, um, he's my age. He's thirty years old. Yeah. Wow. I told you he's young. I didn't know I that. I did not know that. I, I thought I was going to get the the designation to be the youngest uh, yeah. member of the council, and I was yeah. going to think, you know, oh man, I'm progressive. I'm the young guy. <laughs> Chatham stole that right from me. But no, he and I are on a on a council where most of the people on it are almost twice our age, mm-hmm. or more. Yeah. Um, and it also provides an interesting dynamic. I mean. Jared, you live here in Destin. Uh, you know, there aren't that many young people. Mm-hmm. You know, this town, I, I represent a, a constituency, the majority of which are almost twice my age. And there's sometimes I feel like I may not have anything in common with them at times. Um, so it's it's provided its challenges with just trying to get on the same page sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a healthy perspective to have on the council because it's clear. I mean, Chatham's already started a family. I mean, he's got a house. He's got a family. Um, I'm married. I have a house here. You know, we're here for the long haul. So, I mean, I can't indulge some some of the some of the stuff that perhaps some of the older members of the council um, 
don't want to deal with. Yeah. You know, I've got to take a long term view on this because I plan to be here. So, you know, it's it's provided its challenges, its opportunities, but I've been quite happy with my uh, my fellow council members. We don't always see eye to eye, but you know, everybody on that council does come to the table with Destin's uh, well being. Um, you know, for for you know yeah. at the forefront of their mind. Um, I don't know if we always see eye to eye on exactly what mm-hmm. that looks like, but uh, you know it's the nature of, of a seven member board. You know you find you find the compromises and the the common threads, yeah. And uh, and and you you do what's best when and where you can. What's your take on a? Uh, I've, I've discussed it with Shane before. What's your take on a maximum voting age? Man, that's interesting, isn't it? I don't think uh, I don't think I'm going to touch that one until we get max yeah, until we get all the damn all the damn drivers off the road. You know, the 96 year old guys that are just running over palm mm-hmm. trees. You know, if they're not going to take your li- your driver's license away, I don't know if they're going to take away your uh, your uh, your right to vote away. I think I think that might violate the Constitution. But uh, I I could see some of the some of the interesting uh, uh, <laughs> motivations for even yeah. playing that thought experiment out. Yeah. I think it needs to happen. I think it's <laughs> I think it's silly that the the highest number, uh, the the elderly are the highest voting numbers by uh, percentage to age, and yet them, so essentially they're creating policy that they'll never live with. That they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's see, I want to do that when I get old. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I I see. <clears throat> I, I can see the 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 motivations behind it. Yeah. yeah. That's it, you know. Why why do we let somebody who's eighty years old make decisions on climate change? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So are you gonna are you gonna um, stick it? Are you gonna are you gonna run again? Are you gonna? I haven't made I haven't made a solid decision on it yet. More than likely, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a lot of things I need to to see through till the end. Um, we're gonna see how much progress we can make on some of those fronts in the next year and a half yeah. in the remainder of my term. So. Uh, I haven't made a, an overt decision, but I'm, I haven't entertained a, a world where I wouldn't still be serving. Mm-hmm. So I'm busy, but I do get a, a certain amount of satisfaction out of being on the board and making sure that, you know, we're making decisions that are pragmatic and reasonable and are not, you know, outlandish. I'm happy I'm there because if I wasn't, somebody else would be there and I might be disappointed with the decisions they make. Yeah, I think it's great, man. I think it's great that both of you and Shadow are there. I remember going in to vote, and I was like, "This is going to be great. It's going to it's going to be good to have some some people that that I see when I go out, sure. or you know that that have common interests. Oh yeah, that that are actually going to be able to to determine you know kind of how how we're governing, how we live here. And well, that's city. the struggle with Destin. I mean, overwhelmingly, this is an elderly population now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's most everybody who lives here is retired. They're not. They're not young. There's not a whole lot of families. We don't have a robust, dynamic economy. We have a good economy, mm-hmm. but it's all you know, and all the eggs are in one basket with tourism. And so, you know, everybody who is of our uh, generation and grew up here. I mean, I've only got a handful of people I went to school with who are back here, because unless you want to be in the service industry, um, you better figure out a way to get a professional degree to come home, because. It's expensive to come home too. I mean, it's wild. the cost of living is it's outrageous. Yeah, I mean, I bought a house uh, two months ago, and you know my sister lives over in Navarre, 
and I got the same house, but I paid an extra two hundred thousand dollars for it. Basically, Jeez. yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. <clears throat> yeah, you didn't get the Destin discount. <laughs> I <laughs> wish how that works. I wish it was. I wish it was real, man. So what? So what are the biggest issues that are that are pressing the city right now? I mean, the biggest. I mean, we got some existential big, big issues that that I don't know if necessarily we've really really thought about dealing with, but we have to. And uh, I think being young and having the perspective of saying, like, these issues aren't going to go away, so what are we going to do about them? One of them is, of course, uh, customary use. What are we doing about the beaches? Um, we've invited a whole lot of people here, and there's not a whole lot of beach for them to access if they don't stay in a in lodging or an amenity that has uh, their own dedicated access to mm -hmm. beaches. And, and so... How long can you keep inviting people um, to Destin? You know, take the take their money and then shove them out onto a onto a beach access that you know is only 25, 60 foot wide yeah. to a wet sand area, and on each side are ropes and barriers and you know hostile beach fenders and so, you know HOA security guards that are mm -hmm. just going to hassle them the whole time before people say, I, I think I got scammed. Yeah. How, how often can you do that? How many year, how many season after season can we do that to people before they find out, I'm not dealing with Destin. They don't have beaches that, that are available to me, and I'm not dealing with the traffic, you know, before you completely, you know, choke the choke the goose yeah. that's laying the golden egg. So, I mean, that's an existential threat that, that we're having to address. And, I, and I've, I've really called upon my colleagues at the, at the city, at the county, at the TDC level to say, listen, guys, I don't think that, we're going to solve. Um, I don't think the judiciary is going to solve the issue by simply issuing a rule that says, okay, the beach is half this and half yours or the wet sand, ECL line, 20 foot, you know, everybody get out their measuring sticks and, and, and we'll have surveyors come out. That's not a, that's, it's not a solution. The real, the real solution is we just need to start clawing back beachfront and dedicating it to the public. I mean, I was, I was doing some of my research. I don't think the county or the city has dedicated actual Gulf, Gulfside beachfront to the public in almost 30 years. I mean, we just quit doing it. We just quit doing it. And I don't know why, um, considering over the last 30 years, basically all of the development that has occurred, which has been significant, has been for lodging and amenities to bring people here that do not have its own dedicated access to the beach, which is the biggest draw. Um, so that's something we need to restart. I mean, we need to start clawing back our beaches. We're over, we're over capacity, and there's nowhere for these people to go, and it's a threat, at a very very high level, to to our economy. And so we gotta we gotta be addressing that and thinking about that issue. Um, traffic, of course, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, we gotta we we're having a decline. Uh, also, in our brand, that's I think probably a third mm -hmm. big, big over overarching I was ask issue. You about that. Yeah, I mean we have it's clear we're having a, a decline in uh, in in what used to be people's really just nostalgic. I guess their nostalgia of of what Destin meant to them and what their memories held for them and and what it meant to come to Destin and. That's changed because we've built so much stuff. It's all concrete. Uh, we ripped out all the live oaks. We've filled. Yeah, it's, it's Panama City, you yeah. know. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, and and a little bit of planning could have stopped that, but you know, 
when you when you have a council for 20 something years it's filled with people who only want to see things more built because mm-hmm. that means more opportunities for sales more opportunity Absolutely. for money yep. you know they're not thinking hey let's did it let's green space me green space in the eye of a developer is just under you it's waste mm-hmm. because they go well that square footage could be used for something that could make me money they don't see the intangible value of having green space so unless there is a government regulation that says you have to really maintain green space uh in a, in a meaningful way we have some green space rules but uh you know they just weren't going to do it and we've never really had a whole lot of forward-thinking vision of guys what do we want this to look like when it's all said and done and of course we've got a council on there now that's trying to have those conversations which it's a challenge because these things you know it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle you know the cat's out of the bag whatever you know however way you want to you want to cut it uh it's a little late to be having these conversations but it's not um pointless to have those conversations because this place could be very different we got to concentrate on how do we fix some of these um these problems we're facing you know we got to get traffic fixed and it's not going to come from one source um it's going to come from a bunch of different sources where are you on that like what are some of the ideas that are being thrown around well we've been thrown about all sorts of ideas but we've got uh, a parallel roadway that we've been trying to construct for several years now we're almost done uh acquiring the last bits of property for what's called the crosstown connector um it'll be a parallel road to 98 that a lot of the locals can use to get back and forth uh the connectors i think uh will be airport road and then um the stallman uh interchange so that's a big part of it mm-hmm. but it's going to be multifaceted we need to start talking about how do we get ride shares how do we get people to actually come to the harbor district and park and then from a multimodal standpoint uh walk bike basically get out of their cars and get them off of 98 uh we've got to bring in the traffic and we got to bring in the parking infrastructure um finally um we've got a tdc that's amenable to the idea that we can start using some of the bed tax money to build the parking garages we've always desperately needed i mean i i philosophically have always had a problem with the idea of building parking garages with with public money that disproportionately benefits you know private industry, but the way things have already progressed in in Old Destin, it's clear we we just have to have them. So I have to put some of my philosophical objections. I mean Chatham said it best. He called it socialized parking. I mean why why is the city of Destin or the TDC footing the bill for basically all the people that want to go down and give mm-hmm. legendary money at the Harbor Walk? You know come on, but. Um, the situation is so bad we desperately need it we, yeah. got to, we just got to pull the trigger and solve the issue um, from there I mean it's it's going to be non-traditional ideas too that come into the mix you know the water taxi moves a lot of people around and keeps them off of Highway 98 um, I might have mentioned ride sharing ride sharing has helped to some degree um, there's a bunch of different ways but it's it's not going to be a silver bullet there's no one solution um, the other thing we're going to end up doing over the next probably 10 to 15 years is it's not on a terribly quick timeline, but everybody's been suffering through the road expansion um, over in front of Walmart. Mm-hmm. It stops at airport. The next leg of it will be from airport to the base of the Marlar Bridge, um, something I've been championing for, for the longest time, which is uh, if you want to improve the brand of Destin, we got to improve the face of Destin. And so my opinion is we've built 
a lot of ugly, garish buildings throughout Destin. My opinion is let's stop doing that. <laughs> and two, let's bring back as much native greenery as we possibly can. Because each of those buildings ripped out tons of live oaks. Tons and tons of live oaks. And that's a lot of the, what, what brings people from a character standpoint um, to a lot of the really popular tourist destinations in the southeast. Think of Savannah. Think of um, uh, St. Charles Street in uh, New Orleans. Um, it's authentic. Uh, whereas, you know, palm trees are not authentic. Those have to be brought in. Anyways, but that's something we need. We need more green space. Uh, the other part of it is uh, most of our trees are hacked to death by Gulf Power in the name of preserving safe, you know, transmission lines for power. Um, you can drive around Destin and it just looks like, I mean, a really bad 1980s haircut if if they leave the tree at all. You know, we've lost tons of trees. So it, a part of what makes, and I don't want to be 30A, I really don't, but some parts of 30A work really well. One of them is, if you go over to 30A, you'll notice there are almost nowhere where there's almost nowhere where there is above ground utilities because they are not aesthetically typically very pleasing. When they made those <clears> planned <throat> communities, they dropped them underground. Destin's not a planned community. Um, we didn't require that new developments underground their utilities probably until about the mid '90s. So all of downtown um, '98, like you said, looks like Panama City. You'd feel differently if the utilities were completely underground and we brought in tr back, back in a bunch of native trees and allowed them to grow over. I mean, you know, there's a part of Highway 98 um, over in Mary Esther. You know, they've allowed their, um, their live oaks to start growing over the roads and it actually slows down <clears throat> traffic. It makes people feel differently when you start traveling through those areas. So I've been working. Uh, yeah, it's like a canopy yeah, over there. Yeah, that's what it is. And um, that's something that we could reestablish in Destin. And frankly, we won't see the benefit of that for, you know, 30, 40 years. But, you know, our kids will. And kind of isn't that the point. So uh, that'll be an opportunity. The road expansion will be an opportunity to try to bring the utilities underground and to, uh, to start bringing back a bunch of our, our, our native trees. And that could go a long way to rehabbing the brand that is destined in some of the losses that we've we've incurred over the the, the re in recent memory uh, i've seen some uh like restaurant management and, and some other people in the industry talk about the the type of tourist how that's changing as well is that something that's discussed it's discussed lightly um i think in in in, in the public forum of a meeting because you know, you start delving into into that discussion. It it, it it engenders a lot of feelings of us versus them uh, from a financial standpoint because, you know, everybody, you know, you don't want to pick on somebody because they don't have a whole lot of money. But that's the conversation that has occurred in the back channels, especially through... Um, throughout the tourist industry around here. And, and, and yeah, there, there are a lot more people who are coming to visit Destin, but they don't have as much money uh, as the people in the past. And what does that mean for restaurant owners? What does that mean for retailers? What does that mean for everybody who depends upon uh, the visitors who come here to spend money above and beyond what they buy to eat at 
Walmart and what they pay to stay in lodging. Um, so it's a conversation that's occurring lightly and they're treading very delicately. Yeah, I think at, at the, yeah, cause you just don't want to make it a, you know, Oh, this is, you know, a war against the poor. Um, so it, it's a, it's a conversation that's occurring. Uh, it has the demographics have changed. Um, they don't have as much money to spend. And it, there's a lot of things that it can attribute um, to that. A lot of it is the cost of lodging has gone down. And it's beca- it's it's I think it's simple supply and demand economics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the next question I was going to ask is it just because there's so many places to stay now. Yeah. So what you see is a self... <clears throat> Especially with Airbnb and... Uh, yeah, basically, VRBO. yeah, basically what occurred is they built way too much commercial lodging um, in the traditional sense from hotel space in the lead up to the 2008 collapse because that's where everybody was sticking their money was the real estate market because the real estate bubble was giving good returns. So we built too much. And then you throw technology in and when Uber overturned, you know, the taxi cab industry and how you, how people get along, uh, get, uh, get around Airbnb and VRBO has done the same thing. They took a, but what was always traditionally, uh, basically single family residential areas and completely through this glut of available rooms onto an already saturated lodging market. And so we made, you know, in 2009, we had tons and tons of space, you know, and when Airbnb took off, it just made it so much worse. Mm-hmm. And it's just supply and demand. When you've got a glut of supply, um, you know, prices fall. Yeah. What's the, what's the latest on Gulf Power now? Ooh, so Gulf Power is an interesting one. So the Gulf Power franchise is basically the agreement that the city of Destin has made with uh, Gulf Power to provide power to our citizens. Um, under Florida statute... Um, every municipality is required to provide uh, certain things for its community. Everything from uh, basically fire protection, utilities like water, um, gas, uh, power. And originally, the trend was a city would provide those u- those for its citizenry. Um, in the last 50 years or so, that has transitioned. There's all there's typically third-party companies that enter into franchise agreements to provide those services to um, any municipality's um, citizenry. And Destin's no different. That doc, that agreement was entered into around 1986 uh, with the city of Destin and Gulf Power at the time, and it expired in 2016. And we've had some extensions uh, granted to us and. What we're trying to do is negotiate a better deal for the citizens of Destin than the one we've had for the last 30 years. And what that might look like uh, is probably some incentives for for uh, for folks uh, wishing to underground utilities that are above ground, uh, looking for for incentives um, for the for the actual city to underground utilities. But um, the conversation gets sideways. When, um, when, when you talk to most local residents about it because they've been basically propagandized by Gulf Power. Mm-hmm. So Southern Company, um, the city of Destin's in a unique position that almost no other municipality in northwest Florida um, is in. 
And the reason I say that is that 1986 agreement had a clause inside of it that was a purchase provision that said, uh, at the end of this agreement, you know, City of Destin, you, if you want, you can buy our entire infrastructure, um, and that price will be set in arbitration, which is uh, basically a, a real. It's basically like a private trial where a couple of judges get to decide what the cost is going to be to purchase that hmm. that infrastructure, and um, it's much much cheaper than than the way a city would would have to acquire infrastructure from a third party if it absolutely had to, which is eminent domain. Eminent domain's wildly unpopular and it's wildly expensive. And so if eminent, if you don't have that purchase clause inside of your agreement, the uh, you're left with eminent domain. If you real if you're the city and you really want that infrastructure because you think it could make money for you because you can you could operate it through a third party company like Chelco or somebody comes mm-hmm. in and operates it for you. Um your only option is basically eminent domain, which is so expensive and slow, it makes it impossible to make money with the infrastructure. It would just be too costly. So the the power company knows that. Um, so for basically everybody else that's in Northwest Florida and has a deal franchise wise with uh, Gulf Power, they're never get, they're they're never getting away from Gulf Power. They can't. They have no leverage. They're just stuck with Gulf Power and whatever Gulf Power wants to do to them. They can't say anything about it. Destin's in a different situation because we have that purchase provision, which was wisely negotiated back in back in the '80s. So we've talked about exercising the option to help Gulf Power understand, like, listen, if you don't give us some of the things we want, I mean, we'll we'll take a walk. And they've been running scared because they know that it's possible if the votes are there to do it, uh, we could take a walk. Um, so rather than really come in a, I guess, meaningful way, in a good natured way, um, to the table and negotiate (laughs) over the last year and a half, they waged probably at least it's approaching probably two or $300,000 worth of a propaganda campaign, uh, against the city council for even indulging the idea of buying the power company. Mm -hmm. And it's been a, a harrowing experience because, I mean, they have said some really crazy stuff. I don't know how much you guys really saw, but, I mean, they have spent a ton of money. Um, basically, they used uh, some mercenaries uh, for hire lobbying swamp creatures out of Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, to yeah. basically inundate all the people, all the citizenry of Destin with a bunch of propaganda about how... You know, Chatham wants to socialize, uh, <laughs> socialize power, and and we're just going to run it into the ground. And you know, you're going to get a thunderstorm, and your power is going to be out for a month. And you know, City of Destiny, look oh, at them. Why did they thing. single him out? Because uh, Chatham, Chatham actually he was vocal about it. He was vocal. Yeah, that and that <clears> was <throat> that was retribution for him being vocal. Okay. It's, it's a it's a pretty ugly game. Yeah. Um, you know, people don't understand Gulf Power um, propagandizes them all the time. You know, all the all the images we see of Gulf Power is, you know, just a nice guy, lineman, just helping putting the power back on. But they, at the end of the day, they're a for-profit legal monopoly. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not they're not responsible or beholden to to mm-hmm. what's in the best interests of their customers. Their their responsibility from a fiduciary standpoint is to their shareholders. 
and shareholder value. So whenever they can make money... Yeah, that number's got to go up every quarter. Well, it know? does. It does. So. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that they make money because that's their job. Uh, that's what they're here to do. And I've always been astonished how easily... I mean, Gulf Power's not a horrible company. I mean, they're not they're not immoral. They're just amoral. You know what I mean? They they just don't have morals. They're they have one directive: make money. And uh, and and it's wild how effective marketing can be. And so, uh, people got really sideways on the issue because it's complicated. I mean, I've spent the last you know five minutes droning on about where we were, what a franchise agreement is. Uh, why, why would we even be talking about acquiring, um, the infrastructure to, uh, to exercise leverage and, or that's in any, I feel like that's a no brainer though. I feel like that's in anyone, any city's best interest. If you have that option, I I feel like that gives you leverage in an otherwise just straight up monopoly. Well, I mean, they play, I I mean, when you have time to, to explain it to people, I have yet to meet a Destin resident who didn't go, whoa. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, okay. Get them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you just don't have a quarter mil to get the actual information. No, um, no. And and we know the politics of fear is a powerful thing. Um, you know, you can see it everywhere from the national election to, to local now. Um, it infects and it is wild. I mean, you can get all sorts of things accomplished you prey upon people's fear mm-hmm. and misinformation mm-hmm. and uh, Gulf power didn't have any problem doing that. But you know, uh, we are in the midst of negotiating a deal with them that probably can get us in a good position for undergrounding in the next several years. And I'm hoping that they accept it because uh, if they don't September comes that extension I was talking about expires and from a legal standpoint, we either have to legally exercise the option to purchase. And I say legally, it doesn't mean we're stuck purchasing. It just means that legally we've pulled the lever that says we want to exercise that clause. And it preser- it from a preservation standpoint only. Because if, from a legal standpoint, if you don't exercise the option before the extension expires, there's a lot of case law that says you've just lost it. And that would put us in the same position as everybody else in Northwest mm-hmm. Florida, which means we're stuck with them forever. Um, so at, at the risk of not losing it, you know, the, the council, if it doesn't get a deal struck by, you know, September, is going to have to exercise that option. Otherwise, we'd lose it, which means... Wow. Yeah. So it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, both parties are incentivized to put together a good deal. Uh, Gulf Power right now is in the midst of being acquired by uh, its parents' company is Southern mm. out of Atlanta. They have Georgia Power, Alabama Power, Mississippi Power. Well, I was just about to ask you. Yeah, it's, it's New Era Energy is, is I believe, trying to acquire Gold yeah. Power. Yeah, well, they're uh, Next Era. Next Era, Next yeah. Era. Yeah, they're in the process, and they are um, the parent company of Florida Power and Light, and they have a they have a large portfolio all over the southeast. They're a big, big player. Would that change the conversation? Would that change it, the deal? It would change the conversation from a negotiation standpoint um, for undergrounding and for uh, a lot of different things. But I think the deal that we're gonna, we, we could potentially strike in the next couple of weeks, and time will tell, it may not happen, but um, would preserve all of Destin's leverage and at the same time uh, basically give Gulf Power what it needs, which is it needs an agreement of some sort so that 
the lack of an agreement and potential litigation doesn't end up being a fly in the ointment, so to speak, for their acquisition by NextEra. So they're incentivized to do a deal. We're incentivized to do a deal. I'm just hoping, you know, cool heads prevail over at Southern Company. Um, so we'll see where we'll see where we'll see what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> How often do you all meet? City Council. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, you know we're by the charter we're supposed to meet uh, two meetings a month, mm-hmm. but with all the things that we've been tackling, man, we're we're there three or four times a month. Okay. Sometimes more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and it's hard. Um, and those meetings are always open to the public. They are. Okay. They are. No, it's it's been hard because you know we, Chatham and I are the youngest guys on there. Um, you know we have jobs. We're trying to build a life. It's hard to take that much time out of your life to be a volunteer. Um, our council is suited for basically retirees. You know, people on mm-hmm. don't have to go to work. I can dedicate all my time because. Honestly, being on the city council, if you let it, it could be three or four full-time jobs just with all the responsibilities that come on all the boards because, you know, you go to one meeting, but each of us is a representative to some other local entity, everything from the TPO, which is the Northwest Florida Transportation, um, I think, organization. But basically, I'm on the TPO. Actually, I was on the TPO. I'm on the TDC now, which is Tourism Development Council. There's so many of those things. I mean, you literally could have three or four ty- mm-hmm. you know, f- three or four jobs. I actually want to talk. Remind me when we get done, I want to talk to you about something that has to do with the TDC as well. Sure. Um, we'll do off air. Okay. So, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so what, what was I uh, What was I at on that? Um I don't know. You want some secret meeting about the TDC? Now I want to know. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, and the two listeners no, probably listening to this want to know about it too. I just, I, I, hey, we do better than two listeners, bro. <laughs> um, oh, speak. Uh, speaking of, I, I know you're an attorney, so you may find this interesting. But sure. Shane and I got some exciting news. Uh, we finally got Mr. David J. Maloney to agree. To come and be a guest on the no podcast. No kidding. <laughs> We're so stoked. Did you use the Jay Patel connection? I know Jay was on here because Jay... We didn't. No. But that's what inspired me to reach out. Oh, Jay Patel so. gets a Christmas invite every single year. Because yeah. apparently David J. Maloney's Christmas parties I hear there are, are there the are ones outrageous. you need to go to. That's yeah. what I've heard. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, a few. Uh, our, our buddy Maynard. But yeah, but no, no. We Actually, I'm proud of you, man. You did this <laughs> all on your own. Uh, via a Facebook contest. To get a to get a, a bumper sticker, right? Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was the end. That was the end. I, I, he, if you did, <laughs> if you shared his post, he'd mail you a sticker uh-huh. that says, uh, "Don't tailgate me." <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did it, and I got my sticker in the mail, and I, I tagged him in a post, and said, "Stoked to have my my sticker from David J. Maloney. Uh, maybe I can get him on the Wim T podcast." And he he. Direct messaged me. Like, I'm there. It said, "Call me." <laughs> <laughs> There's no bigger self promoter in this area than Dave. Yeah, he's he's killing it. He really is. No, I. You got to figure out a way to get him on the podcast. And well, he's, uh, he's coming. Well, if he's scheduled. He's I scheduled. think yeah. the more important part is how can you parlay that into an invite to the Christmas party. You're, that's what I already told him. I said I we need to figure that out. 
I need to figure that out. He needs to enjoy us. Yeah. We'll, just put him, we'll just put him in the hot seat. So how about that Christmas invite? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I hear your Christmas parties are to die for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, shit, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything anything else that you have uh, that, that people should know about? Oh, man. You know, I would love for people to get involved. Come to the meetings. That's the biggest yeah. thing. You know, we've done... I, we've had so many problems in the past. Um, so much goofy things have gotten basically, you know, swept under the rug, skullduggery, you know, all the, all the things you, people cry and, and talk about from a corruption standpoint, from a, from a dysfunction standpoint with government. I, I, I tell people, I'm like, look, government is designed to work, but it doesn't work. If, the citizenry doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the biggest part. I mean, it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's it's just a responsibility. And, and, and it's just, you know, it's like brushing your teeth. It's something people need to understand that we have to be engaged. Otherwise, special interest just runs amok. And at the local level, they've been doing that for 30 years. And if just even a handful of people who just cared showed up and consistently, you know, spoke truth to power, a lot of that stuff can't happen. Mm-hmm. It just can't because the system is meant to be for the people. And, but if the people don't show up and they don't, and they're not informed, um, you know, the whole system. Yeah. How do you, part, how do you, get, how do you get better information out to people? It's a real struggle. Um, you know, social media is uh, a double edged sword. It really, really is. Uh, we're more connected than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's manifested its way in a lot of positives. Um, you know, there there are people who don't get elected anymore uh, that would have uh, in the past. Florida politics, national politics. Um, there are ballot initiatives that end up being put on um, to, to vote where um, in the past... The ballot language was written so misleading that uh, it easily would have passed, you know. Uh, and and I don't know if you guys remember from the last election cycle, there was, a, I think, Amendment 2. It was basically, it was written like a pro-solar amendment, but it oh, was actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, social media prevented that from getting passed. Yep. If it had been 15, 20 years ago, that thing would have passed, would have sailed through because the average voter can't understand the legalese of a ballot initiative. Um but that was thwarted courtesy of social media. Um, so in a lot of ways, you know, there, it is a wonderful tool to reach people, but it cuts in the opposite extreme. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation as I well, know. a lot of bad information. There is, and I don't know how to necessarily solve the fact that people are not, by and large, terribly good at analytically breaking apart bullshit from truth. Um, so, you know, I hope they, I hope they listen to things like this. I, and it's one of the reasons I came because, you know, if there's a few people that get inspired, they're like, listen, you know, Chatham sounds like he's known he's, he's getting in there. Parker's doing what he's trying to do. You know, damn it. Maybe it's just time for me to be the change I want to see in the mm-hmm. world. So maybe I'll go do it too. Um, you know, yeah. that's, those are some of the tools. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you guys for sure. I know I, I told Chad on the same thing. I, uh, I think it's, I think it's really good. Like I, I feel like I have 
uh, someone that that's on my team in there, uh, and that's important. I think especially like you said, um, we aren't we aren't your typical Destin resident either. So, but but we are the ones that are going to be here <laughs> years down the road to deal with it. So, oh yeah, so yeah. it's important. It's important that we have you guys in there, man. And I definitely appreciate it. Well, so, guys, I thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, people go go eat at Dewey's if you haven't. <laughs> it's, it's it's your it's a it's a Destin staple. Yeah, shameless. Get, get into the eighteen thirty four. Eighteen thirty five. Eighteen thirty five. Eighteen thirty five. Eighteen thirty five. If you can. Why is it called that? So the eighteen thirty five um, is not actually the address. It's because it's at two hundred Harbor Boulevard. Eighteen thirty five is actually the year that Leonard came down to Florida from Connecticut, and it was the same year that he got into a hurricane off of Cape Canaveral, and he uh, he shipwrecked there and there were two other vessels that were being captained by his father and his brother and they were killed. So, um, 1835 was just a sort of a, sort of an important year, uh, in Leonard's life. He ended up in Destin, you know, he lost his family. And so, uh, we just thought it was just kind of a interesting, you know, I don't know if it necessarily makes a whole lot of sense for a porch bar to be called 1835, but, you know, it, it meant something to my dad, and I thought it was interesting, and so that's uh, that's the 1835 logo, so that's where it got its name. Yeah, your your dad was, your dad served as well, right? Yeah, dad dad served for almost 30 years. Yeah. he uh, He's kind of the inspiration for me, because he really was a glutton for punishment, because <laughs> he was... He was around in the early 80s when the push to incorporate the city was happening, and he was actually on the opposite side, saying that he did not want the city to be incorporated. Uh, the old Destin families didn't want an extra layer of government, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being the boot on their, on their neck. Um, but incorporation happened, and he said to himself, essentially, you know, by God, you know, if we're going to have a city, I better be at the table to try to make sure that a lot of goofy stuff doesn't happen. And oftentimes uh, he was in the minority for a very long time because it's a seven member board. Just because you got, you can elect two good guys on there doesn't mean anything uh, you, cause you'll be on the wrong side of a lot of uh, five, two votes. Um, luckily we've got a handful of other um, really community minded folks on the current council. Um, like, Ch- uh, like uh, Preble Ramswell and, and uh, Rodney Braden. Mm-hmm. There's others. Um, so you can get that majority vote. So you can do a lot of the positive things. You know, my father's frustration for 30 years was he was often, he, they called him uh, council member. No, <laughs> literally he got that. He got that reputation because there were lots and lots of votes where he was just, you know, it was six, one. And he was like, guys, this is idiotic, but it didn't matter. Cause you know, there was, there was, you know, you know, don't build this condo. Yeah. You know, this is, this is, we don't have the infrastructure for it, you know, but when you're sitting on there with two or three developers, friends, a guy who's an electrical contractor that could possibly benefit from more development because yeah. he's going to get more contracts and realtors, you know, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, that was, and he suffered through it for 30 years, but he never quit. I think he's pig headed. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. You know, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you still seem like you want to do it. So. No, I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm loving it in a lot of different yeah. ways. Some days are frustrating, but it's it's gratifying. So sweet. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thanks for coming in. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. You can email us wimty.podcast, wimty.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, and we'll get back with you all. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah.